Thank you for being at live tonight. I am just as excited about that movie coming out. Uh, man, what a trailer. What a trailer. What an intro. Um, yeah, keep cheering. That's great. Um, <laughs> welcome to At The Movies. As Ryan said tonight, we are so glad that you're here. I hope you're comfortable. I hope you, you got a snack and maybe a drink on your way in. Uh, but here's what I want to do tonight. You know, movies are great. Movies are great. But I want to talk tonight about what I think at times are even better than the movie premiere itself. And that's what we just saw, the trailer. I don't know about you, but I, I love trailers. I love when a movie is coming out, it's announced. So say Lion King, for example. Last year they announced, Disney announced they were going to do this movie. And automatically, immediately, I went looking for a trailer. Because I love watching what may take place in the movie that's coming out. There's a pretty, uh, pretty big movie coming out tomorrow night. Anybody know what's happening? So, there we go. Thanos is going down, right? That's right, that's right. Avengers, Avengers Endgame is happening tomorrow night. And listen, the trailer has been phenomenal. There's been like three or four incredible trailers for this movie, and I have loved every single minute of them. But trailers, here's what they do. As you just saw on, on, on the screen, as you've seen for Avengers, the trailer of that movie points to the movie premiere. It draws our attention to the release date of the movie. That's the point of a trailer. They prepare us for the movie that's going to come out. And the best ones, what do they do? They leave us wanting more. Even so, maybe asking questions about what's going to happen in the movie that's coming out. So here's what I want us to get tonight. If you're taking notes, here's where you start. We're going to be in Acts chapter 7 through chapter 9. We're going to not read all of them. Goodness, we'd be here for 24 hours. But we're going to read a few parts of each one of these chapters. We're going to look at Paul's life. But here's what I want us to see. Trailers are phenomenal. Trailers point to a movie. We, as humans, we as Christians, should be a lifelong trailer pointing to the greatest premiere of all time, Jesus Christ. As Christians, we should be, we were designed to be, we were created to be, we were purposed to be trailers, if you will, that point to the greatest premiere, the greatest human, the greatest, the only God, Jesus Christ. That is what our life is purposed to do, is to point to Jesus. Matthew 5, 16, Jesus is talking on a mountainside to a bunch of people. He's preaching, and here's what he says. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Here's what he's saying. Your actions should point to your God, to Jesus. That's the purpose of our life, that everything that we do, hopefully, should point to him. And so it's a great statement, and most of us probably understand and get that, but here is the real question that I want us to answer tonight. Three letters. How? How do we do that? Okay, Seth, if my life is supposed to be a trailer that points to Jesus, that points to the greatest premiere. How do I do that in my life? 
what does that look like? So here's where I want to start. I want to look at bad trailers because there's great trailers like we just saw, and there's really bad trailers that come out. So I don't know if you've, if I talked about it at the beginning, like I talked about at the beginning, if you've ever been excited for a movie and it's announced, like I heard Lion King was announced last year, you go to YouTube and immediately you want to find a trailer for that movie. If you've been there, you know what I'm talking about. And you go on YouTube, you start searching, and immediately before the real trailer comes out, there's about 50 fake trailers, right? Some of people, sometimes they're called teaser trailers. And I remember last year when I heard Lion King was coming out. By the way, big Disney fan. Okay, I love Disney. Grew up loving Disney. I told you guys you're too young to really understand Lion King. Okay, I mean that with all my heart. All right, I grew up watching it. I have a sister who's 16 years old. Okay, she's watched Lion King twice. All right, big, big Disney fans. She has really ever never seen the movie. But when it came out for me, I was so excited. And I went on the internet and I found a trailer that I thought was the real trailer. I was praying, Lord, let this be no joke, the trailer for Lion because I wanted to see it. I wanted to see Timon and Pumbaa. I wanted to see Simba. I wanted to see Nala. I, that's Lion King terms. I wanted to see all those people, all right? And so I'm looking, and there is a horrible trailer that I found. Absolutely disgusting, okay? Like, if you make trailers, awesome, all right? I'm not bashing you, okay? This trailer was nasty. It was a dude behind his computer at his house talking, doing the voiceover, and it was pictures of a safari from a documentary. I mean, it was like, what is happening in this trailer? And listen, 7.2 million people have watched this thing, y'all. Like, like, what's wrong with us? Okay, but, but that's a bad trailer. And when you watch a bad trailer, you know a bad trailer. Like, it, it's obvious. And those bad trailers can leave you in a bad place. Why? Because they leave you angry. They leave you like, well, that's not what happens in that movie. Well, well who's this person? What, what, who's this guy? That's not real. That's not a real you know, voiceover person, okay, what's happening? Like, it, for me, it left me angry. And I was like, I want the real trailer. It pointed me in the wrong direction. Bad trailers don't set the premiere up very well. And so that's why companies, in their due time, that's why they wait for the real trailer to be premiered so they can get the fake ones out of the way. So they can let the hype die down to build it back up. But there are bad trailers. And sometimes... Our life can be a bad trailer, can point to the wrong thing. I mentioned I wanted to talk about Paul. Paul, if anybody in the Bible pointed to Jesus, pointed to the ultimate premiere, it was Paul. The guy who wrote 13 books. The guy who shared Christ like crazy. The guy who was in prison writing to churches about how they can have strength in the Lord when he is literally being persecuted for his faith. But Paul, his life wasn't always a good trailer. Before he was really known as Paul, he was known as a guy named Saul. And uh, Saul was a Pharisee, but he was also, many of you may not know this, Paul was also a tent maker. He was a tent maker. When he was born, Paul's life or Saul's life was was destined to be a tent maker. That's what his dad taught him to do, to make tents, like a tent that you camp in, okay, same kind of thing, like a tent, and then he sold them. He was a really good salesman. It makes sense because Paul is, is phenomenal at sharing and selling the gospel. It's what he did, but he did it with tents his whole life. He was also a Pharisee. A Pharisee meant this, a separator, that's what a Pharisee was. A Pharisee was a person in the Jewish community who was considered a leader, who was high in the community, 
who led the Jewish faith. And they were called, they meant, their word means separator. What that meant was they tried to literally be separate from anything evil or impure. That was their, their goal. Was they wanted to be separate from everything else. So Paul, that's his life. And if you can imagine, when, he's, when he goes by Saul before he really starts calling himself Paul, Saul, his life was about pleasing God. And in his mind, he thought everyone who followed the way, which was following Jesus, was going against God. And so what do we know about Saul? Saul, his direction in life, his purpose in life was to go against Jesus. He literally pointed people the opposite direction. And, and, and history, by the way, historical documents tell us that Saul, before he started killing Christians, actually went to the leaders, went to the Sanhedrin and said, hey guys, I'll volunteer myself to go and kill Christians for you. It's what I want to do. I'll sign up for that. Why? Because he had a desire, his direction, his trailer, if you will, his life was to go in direct opposition against this cult, which is what they thought the Jews thought Christianity was at the time. They called it the way. It was a new religion that they didn't agree with. So that is Saul. That's what he did. I want to read you a text just so you can get a better understanding of how people viewed him. It's in chapter 7, verses 54 through 8, verse 1. Here's what it says. When the members of the Sanhedrin heard this, they were furious and gnashed their teeth at him talking about a guy named Stephen. But Stephen, who was a Christian, full of the Holy Spirit, looked up and saw, looked up to heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Look, he said, I see the heaven, I see heaven open and the son of man standing at the right hand of God. At this, they covered their ears and they yelled at the top of their voices and they all rushed at Stephen. Dragging him out of the city, they began to stone him. Listen to this. Meanwhile, they the witnesses laid their coats at the feet of a young man named Saul. That meant that Saul was the approving factor in this. That Saul gave approval for them to kill this guy named Stephen. And it says, while they were stoning him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. An incredible story of the first martyr that we have recorded who died for Jesus after he had left. Unbelievable story. Then he fell on his knees and cried out, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. When he had said this, he died. He fell asleep. And listen to verse 1. And Saul approved of their killing him. Saul approved it. He said, this is what I'm about, killing Christians. So if anyone was pointing in the opposite direction, if he was a bad trailer, it was Saul. And, and what qualities do we see about Saul? He had a lot of anger, a lot of bitterness. He was angry at these people for going against God. He was bitter at them. There was a lot of judgment in his life, a lot of pride in his life. And he believed in a works-based salvation, meaning you have to earn your faith. You have to work to get Jesus to love you. That's what he believed in. So here is another question. And I think this is where we begin. Before we talk about how, how do I live a life that points to him? The question is, what's my life pointing to? Students, what is your life pointing to? What is it a trailer for? What is it pointing others toward? 
It should be Jesus, but sometimes it can be a lot of other things. And like Saul, it can point in the wrong direction. And I think as Christians, I think that we at times, all of us, can give people a negative view of Christianity. And I I would wonder how many people have walked away from their faith, have walked away from the church, have walked away from Christian friends because of how they were treated by a so-called Christian who is supposed to be pointing people toward Jesus, but instead is pointing people away. And I think there's a couple ways that we can do this. And I offer you this as as a warning. I offer myself this as a warning. Because it's very easy for us to point people in the wrong direction. The first way we can do this, I think, is with our actions. Our actions toward others. Paul was a very angry person. His actions were, I'm going to take you out. Our actions, how we act, how we respond in a moment in our flesh, which is our sin nature, can point people in the wrong direction. So how do you treat others? Is it full of jealousy and anger? And then the other way is this. Do we walk the walk? Or do we just talk it? Do you talk a big game? Do I talk a big game? Do we, we post a big game? Do we, uh, do we show a big game at church and put on a show, which we're going to talk about in a second, or, and not really walk it, and not really live it out? And when we're at school, we're on our Finsta, or we're in another friendship, or we're here, or we're there, we don't really live like we say we live. What is your influence? Because maybe there's a single, simple action that we do or say that somehow points people in the wrong direction. And so what are you pointing people towards? What are we pointing people towards? Here's what I would ask you. I want you to ask yourself this question. What would people say about you and me? So for example, if I took your phone and I texted every single contact that you have in your phone and an, an anonymous survey about you, what would people say? Hey, tell me about so-and-so. Tell, tell, tell me about their walk. Tell me about their life. Tell me who they really are. What would people say? I want you to think about that. Because that will show you, are you really walking it? What would they say? A bad trailer. Now the goal, and where I want to land, is a good trailer. Because if you find a good trailer, and most great movies are going to have an awesome trailer. The goal is to be a good trailer, is that our lives point to him. I I just talked about a movie that comes out on Thursday, Avengers Endgame. I'm so excited. I'm not going to be there because I have a sweet person in my life whose name is Erica. She's my wife. She is the most important person aside from Jesus, debatable, I'm kidding, in my life. Just because she's in the room. And, uh, and, and tomorrow night, we're going out for her birthday, all right? That's the number one priority, all right? We're doing it. Thanks. Pre- appreciate it. Um, I need that. But, uh, but I'm going to miss the premiere of a movie that I've been looking forward to for so long. And that's okay, all right? But the trailers have gotten me so excited about this movie. My dad, who is 60 years old, weird, loves um, the Avengers. And he has sent me text after text after text to where I have to block his number. Like, stop texting me of trailers about this movie. Because they are so phenomenal. And here's what's best about them. Here's what a good trailer looks like. Creative, gets you excited or motivated, and they leave you wanting more. 
That's what this trailer has done for me. That's what the Lion King trailer did for me. Like, I want to see what's going to happen. And the biggest and the best quality is this about a good trailer. Is that good trailers don't have to announce themselves. Right? Like, like a good trailer doesn't have to come on TV and go, please listen to this commercial. Lion King trailer is about to... Release. Like, that's not what they do, right? Like, for example, okay, when the real trailer of Lion King came out, I told you I went and I looked on YouTube to try and find it. I found a teaser trailer. It drove me crazy. It made me angry. When the real trailer came out, I didn't know it had come out. I was in the kitchen at my house cutting, chopping food, dinner, okay? I was making dinner. That's what I do. Just, just chopping, all right? And I don't, that's what I do. All right, and I'm cooking, <laughs> And, and, and the TV's on in the living room, okay? Our living room's over there. I'm over here. And no joke, okay? I didn't know what was on TV, but here's what I heard. You ready? Ah, to win ya. Just what y'all saying, right? And I'm like, liking! And I left it, and I ran in the, in the living room, and I watched the trailer. I knew, I, I left what I was doing. Dinner can wait. Sorry, babe. Sorry, Daisy. That's my dog. Forget about it. I'm going in here, and I'm watching Lion King. I knew that trailer was on. Why? Because I heard the song. I heard, ah, to win, right? I heard, there you go. I heard it, and I knew that Lion King was on TV. And so I ran in there, and I watched the trailer. It didn't have to announce itself, but it made it obvious that that's what was happening. Smart. Good trailers do that. And here is the thing about Paul's life. Paul's life eventually changed. He went from being Saul to Paul. And what I mean by that is his life was changed. He started following Jesus, and there was a major turning point in his life, a major turning point. He went to following Christ, and his life became a good trailer. And the greatest thing is that Paul didn't have to announce himself. In fact, Paul was really kind of worried. If you go read in chapter 9, he was really anxious about what was happening. And I want to read you one of the best parts of his story. I'll skip to chapter 9, verses 26 through 28. It says this. After Paul had been changed by God, he was living for him. He was on a new path, a new trailer, pointing people to Jesus. Here's what happened. It says, when he came to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples. The disciples were the, the guys that followed Jesus. He tried to join them. He tried to be part of their clique. But when they were... But it says they were all afraid of him, not believing that he really was a disciple. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles. And he told them how Saul on his journey had seen the Lord and the Lord had spoke to him. And how in Damascus he had preached fearlessly the name of Jesus. So Saul stayed with them and moved freely about in Jerusalem, speaking boldly in the name of the Lord. Here's what happened in this text. Paul's life was on display. Paul did not have to go into the disciples' room and say, hey, guys, I am a Christian. Paul, he didn't have to get out his Jesus is my boss hat, put it on his head, and then walk in with the disciples and go, hey, guys, look, I'm a Christian. Hey, hey, Peter, Jesus is my boss, dude. Like, can't you see? It's obvious. I've changed my life. Hey, hey, James, ch check it out, dude. I'm a Christian. He, he changed me. Yo, what's up, Jesus? He didn't do that. What happened? 
Paul didn't need a hat. Paul didn't need to make it obvious. It says that Paul went and tried to meet with the disciples, and they said, we don't want anything to do with you because we don't trust, really, that you're going to actually be kind to us. We think you might kill us. And so what happened is he turned away, but Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles and told them how Saul on his journey had seen the Lord, and his life was changed. His life spoke for itself. He didn't have to go in there flaunting and saying, look what happened to me. Look how I'm changed. His life just spoke. Jesus just shined from his life. It wasn't something that he had to do. He had to say. He didn't have to be loud. He didn't have to be obnoxious. And by the way, loud isn't always effective. So how? When we want to point others to him, it's not always about being loud because I think that at times... As Christians, we feel this desire. I know I do. And at times we feel this desire, man, I've got to start posting more about Jesus. Or I've got to talk more about Jesus. Or maybe I do need to buy some clothes and wear them that say Jesus. Maybe that's your thing. And there's nothing wrong with that. But I think we have this feeling that, man, I've got to do more. And I've got to proclaim Jesus more. And that's all good. But I don't think that's necessarily the key. I believe there's another way. comes down to this show versus show that's a double word the word show s-h-o-w one's a noun one's a verb to show or to put on a show a noun is to perform to show someone something a verb to to point people to something and I think at times we feel like we have to put on a show as Christians We feel like we have to get people's attention about Jesus or say, hey, I'm a Christian. That's who I am. But like I said, loud is not always best. We are called as Christians to show people Jesus. Because by the way, he is the show. He is the premiere. That's not our job. Our job is to be a trailer pointing toward it. Say, hey, here's Jesus. So how do we do that? Here's how we do it. Here's practical. You ready? Here it is. Live your life. Now walk in obedience with him. Read his word. Have a relationship, a healthy relationship with him. Pray, read his word, know how to live, but live your life. God has gifted all of you in this room in so many ways. It is unbelievable how many ways he has gifted you, the passion that he has put in your heart for so many different things. I don't know what it is. I mean, it it could be, Photography, videography, friends, family, art, music, weightlifting, fashion, technology, sports. I don't know what your passion is, but do what you feel like God has called you to do and use that as a platform to let Christ shine from your life. You don't have to yell it. You don't have to scream it. Let it be part of who you are. Let it be displayed from your life, from my life. That's what Paul did. It was founded on Jesus and fueled by the gospel. If our lives are founded on Jesus, students, and fueled by the gospel, Jesus Christ died for our sins, rose again, then our lives can't help but pour others to him. I mentioned a minute ago that the, one of the best parts was this moment where Paul met with the disciples. The best part, the best part was not that part. The best part was before then. It was when the bad trailer became a good trailer, the moment his life was changed. And I'd encourage you to go read that moment. 
the road to Damascus when Paul's life changed, when he, when he gave his life to, to Christ. Here's what happened very quickly. He was riding on a road to a city called Damascus. He was actually going to kill the same Christians who fled from where he was to Damascus. He heard about it, and he got on his horse. He got his boys. They got together, and they went towards this city to go kill more Christians to Damascus. And on the road, Jesus met Saul. There was a moment that shaped history that gave us 13 incredible books of the Bible that changed someone whose life was a bad trailer, who was pointing people in the complete opposite direction, who was full of hatred and anger to someone who was now on fire for Jesus Christ. And it happened in a moment. And it says, if you go read it, that Paul fell off his horse. Why? That's symbolic. Because Jesus met him there and stopped him in that moment. And in that moment, his life was changed. He went from being someone who was pointing people in the wrong direction to someone who was pointing them in the right direction. And so maybe tonight, that's you. Maybe tonight, you need to make a 180-degree turn. You're heading in the wrong direction. You're pointing people in the wrong direction. You're bringing them with you. I don't know if it's anger, bitterness, a sin. It's something that you've been dealing with. Maybe your life has never been changed by Jesus Christ, and you're headed in that wrong direction. I was there 15 years ago, and you need to turn and head towards him and start pointing people towards him and let your life flow towards him. Here's where it begins. It begins with a personal relationship. It begins with a moment like Saul had on the road to Damascus where God met him and changed him. So with heads bowed in the room, eyes are closed. If tonight you need to know that, you need to have that happen in your life, you need to experience that moment where he will come into your life and change you so that you can be a trailer that puts Jesus on display. If that's you, You've been heading in the wrong direction. Maybe it's messy. Maybe it hurts. Maybe it's difficult. But you know you need Jesus and you don't have him. You know you need him to change things in your life. Right now is your moment. So with, while heads are bowed and no one is looking around.